All right. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to the final, final podcast. Carter Thompson, your host as always here. Thanks for coming back. I know it's been a long break. In between episodes, I had a nice return home back to Wisconsin for about six weeks, actually, this time. I didn't I made it so long this time because last year I didn't get to go back. Literally the day before I was supposed to go back, I got COVID and I wasn't uh, I didn't want to expose a lot of my family to that, especially some of the older members of my family as well. So I didn't get to go back last year. So I decided to make it extra long this year. Really nice to go celebrate some friends' weddings and see a lot of people. And in six weeks, though, I still didn't get to see everybody that I wanted to see. But we are back here now. Back with the podcast as well, the final, final podcast. We haven't done one since our mock draft of the 2023 NFL draft, so we have a ton to catch up on. This episode is going to be kind of how I'm going to go over the draft. Instead of just doing one draft episode recap, I am going to go through each NFL division, and we're going to do an overview and thoughts on each team in that division per episode and what their kind of outlook looks like for this upcoming NFL season. This way I can go through that team's draft picks, what they did in free agency, kind of get it all in one, any coaching changes, stuff like that. We'll do that for the NFL. Following this episode, there will shortly be, right after it, there will be an NBA episode as well where we'll discuss the NBA postseason, end of the regular season. They've already had their draft. Their free agency has gone through as well. That will be in an episode entirely on its own. This way, I'm not trying to cram too much into one episode because, let's be let's be honest, nobody wants to try and listen to an hour and a half or more of an episode of something like that. So we'll try to keep them to under an hour, and then this way, I think we'll be able to do that. So thank you for tuning in. Today, we're going to start with most of my listeners' favorite NFL division. We're going to go through the NFC North. I mean, why not? We've got Packers fans, Bears fans, probably some Lions fans listening as well. I don't know if I have any Vikings fans listening, and I might be okay with that. But anyways, we'll start with the NFC North with the overview and some thoughts. We'll go through their draft picks, or mostly their their top draft picks. We're not necessarily going to get into the fifth and sixth round guys for a lot of these teams. But we'll go through some of their top draft picks, some of the major storylines also heading into the season for these teams. So like I said, we'll start with the NFC North. Let's go ahead and get started with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, one of the most talked about teams this offseason, rightfully so, when you trade away a guy like Aaron Rodgers. We talked about that already, what that meant for the team. But now let's take a look as training camp is just around the corner. I think it actually starts next week as we record this on Saturday the 15th. I believe training camp starts for most teams, maybe Wednesday or Thursday next week. But for the Packers... The main thing is obviously now Jordan Love is quarterback one heading into the season. Let's take a look at their draft pick, see what they did to possibly help out this young quarterback. He's been in the system now for three years, or this is his, yeah, this is, he's been in the system for three years. This is his fourth year with the team. He actually did sign a contract extension with the team so they could kind of bypass that fifth year option that all first round rookies get. This was the Packers basically extending him, giving him kind of like a, two to three year tryout as the starter for the Packers. And here's what they did with their draft pick to try to help them out. Remember, they traded up from 15 to 13 with the Aaron Rodgers trade to the New York Jets. They took Lucas Van Ness, the defensive end out of Iowa. This is a really young kid. Didn't even start for the Iowa Hawkeyes because Iowa, for some reason, has a thing where even their best players, even if they're younger underclassmen, they will not start over the upperclassmen. But Lucas Van Ness, their best player on defense for sure. This guy is just huge. He is going to be raw. It's kind, it's similar to Rashawn Gary in the sense of what they're looking for, but this is a guy that can also slide inside, play maybe three technique. He's a, he's a defensive end, not an outside linebacker, so he'll be on the line closer inside to Kenny Clark and stuff like that. They need some help in terms of stopping the run. Also, Rashawn Gary is coming off of an ACL tear. So we're not sure when he'll be ready. I doubt he'll be ready for the start of the season. So they were going to need pass rush help anyways. So Lucas Van Ness was their first round pick. I liked this pick. Of course, a lot of people weren't fans of it when there was wide receivers on the board that the Packers could have taken. There was also a cornerback on the board if people were concerned about Eric Stokes. 
there was a couple options that people it could have been an underwhelming pick, but this is a smart move for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, yes, they are adding more pieces to that defense. That's something that we'll talk about in a second as well heading into the season. There's no excuses for that defense now with all the talent that they'll have coming into the season. Second and third round is where they really started to help out Jordan Love. Two second round picks they had this year. They took Luke Musgrave, a very athletic tight end out of Oregon State, coming off of an injury in college. But when he was playing, oh my goodness, he is uh, the mold of is just a, of a receiving tight end for sure. Not necessarily going to compare him to Travis Kelsey, but when you think of receiving tight ends, you think of usually a guy like Travis Kelsey, maybe a Mark Andrews. He's more of a blocker. You get to the traditional tight ends where George Kittle is a mauler of a run blocker and a, a blocker in general, but can then also go out and catch the pass. Luke Musgrave is more of the receiving tight end in the mold of a Travis Kelsey. So this guy is big as well, 6'6", very fast. Packers getting younger and faster with their team this offseason as well. Luke Musgrave is a part of that. Then also in the second round, they traded back and got a wide receiver out of Michigan State, Jaden Reed. This is possibly not a Randall Cobb replacement, but this is a slot wide receiver that the Packers are looking for. You'll have Christian Watson year two on the outside on one side, Romeo Dobbs wide receiver in his second year as well on the other side. Put Jaden Reed then in the slot, maybe with Samori Torre as well. Then you got tight ends like Luke Musgrave. And then this third round tight end, another uber athletic tight end in Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. So right there, second round and third round, they took two tight ends and a wide receiver to help out and grow with Jordan Love, which I'm very excited to see. These are very athletic tight ends. Hopefully one thing that the Packers didn't do this offseason, Mercedes Lewis, kind of a, a staple for the Green Bay Packers at tight end the past at least four years, maybe four to five years, he was considered the best blocking tight end, maybe of all time, basically just a sixth offensive lineman. They decided to not re-sign him this year. So now, without Aaron Rodgers making the quick throws, if the pressure's getting to him, you're going to have a young quarterback. You're going to need these young tight ends to also be able to block as well to help out Jordan Love. Hopefully, they can then teach them that. They're going to go through some growing pains, but I'm very excited to see Jordan Love grow with these young tight ends and young wide receiver in Jaden Reed. He's got young wide receivers all over the place. He's going to have second-year wide receivers in Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Torre. He's going to have this first-year wide receiver in Jaden Reed. They took another rookie wide receiver in the fifth round in Devontae and Wicks. Wicks, sorry, out of Virginia. I believe they took one more in the late, like maybe with their last pick in the seventh round. I think they had, boy, I think they had 12 draft picks this year. So they really are getting younger. They also took a defensive tackle in the fourth round, picked up a quarterback in Sean Clifford out of Penn State in the fifth round as well. So this team is getting much younger. They, they lost some really key contributors. So this is kind of a rebuilding year for the Green Bay Packers because they have some of that Aaron Rodgers dead cap still on their payroll. They lost guys like Aaron Rodgers to trade. Alan Lazard also signed with the New York Jets. Adrian Amos signed with the New York Jets. There's actually, you'll get the hint here that a lot of these former Packers are following Aaron Rodgers to New York. Robert Tunyon, tight end is gone. Randall Cobb is a New York Jet as well. Mercedes Lewis is gone. They are not bringing back Mason Crosby. They're deciding to go with the rookie Anders Carlson a sixth-round pick out of Auburn kicker. He's also the brother of Daniel Carlson, the kicker, the outstanding kicker for the Las Vegas Raiders. They're deciding to go that route. So those are the Packers' draft picks from this past season. I like a lot of the, I like the young moves on offense that they made in the second and third round there. We'll see about, I mean, late-round picks, you can't really expect a lot of anything out of them. If one hits, that's fantastic. If one makes the roster, that's great. If one's a contributor, that's even better. But you're looking at the maybe the first three to four rounds as some of these guys that are going to be contributors. Lucas Van Ness, the first-round pick, he's going to have to be a big contributor, like I said, with Rashawn Gary out. Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. Musgrave might be the starting tight end in week one with how limited or bare the tight end cabinet is. The only returning tight end of any significance is Josiah DeGuara, and they like to use him at fullback a lot of the time. 
So Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave are going to get a lot of play. But the Green Bay Packers are going young, and they're getting faster. So like I said, this is a rebuilding year. I mean, the major storylines heading into the 2023 season, there's an obvious first two, I think. Obviously, Jordan Love getting his first season at QB1. What are reasonable expectations for this team? Mostly, what are reasonable expectations for Jordan Love? You're not going to get an Aaron Rodgers-type season where Aaron Rodgers throws 35 touchdowns and less than five interceptions. I think it's reasonable to expect Jordan Love to get near 30 touchdowns, maybe 28 to 32 is the range I'm thinking of for touchdowns for Jordan Love, but he's going to throw over 10 interceptions. I don't think he's going to have a Brett Favre where he throws over 20 interceptions because Jordan Love learned from Aaron Rodgers, know when to make your aggressive throws, know when it's okay to try to fit one in like this. Otherwise, he'll probably learn to throw it away more times than not, maybe not as much as Aaron Rodgers did. Because he is still a young quarterback, he's going to be able to think he can make a lot of these throws. So I think something around 30 touchdowns and maybe 12 to 13 interceptions is something to look for in Jordan Love. Maybe something around 3,500 to 4,000 yards. But just because that's something that's a reasonable expectation on the positive side. It could be on the other side too. He could throw for maybe 20 touchdowns, 22 touchdowns and maybe near 15 interceptions and less than 3,500 yards. We gotta be re- we gotta be controlled in our expectations of what we see from Jordan Love this year. This isn't uh, Jordan Love plays bad this year. He's out. Start of next season. That's not the case. You can't. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in his first season as the starter, they were six and ten. Then the year after, then two years later, they won the Super Bowl. So I mean, we have to see what reasonable expectations are for Jordan Love in his first season as starter. I mean, looking at their schedule, they don't have the worst schedule. You know, they don't have three away games in a row or anything like that. They have, I believe, one of the five lowest travel miles of all NFL teams this year. They don't have anything overseas. Like last year when they played in London against the Giants, they have maybe just one stretch of like four games that could be really tough. Week 10, they're at Pittsburgh. A play or a team above 500 every year with Mike Tomlin. Also with Kenny Pickett now in year two as the starting quarterback could be a little bit better. Always have a great defense. T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, guys like that. Then the following week they have are at home versus Los Angeles Chargers. They're always putting up big points. Then they're at the Detroit Lions, maybe the favorites to win the NFC North. We'll talk about them in a second. Then they're at home versus the Kansas City Chiefs, reigning Super Bowl champs. Always going to be the favorite in almost every one of their games. And then their Monday night at the New York Giants, a playoff team from a year ago. They have that five-game stretch in the middle of the season where it could be a little bit tough for them there. But otherwise, they have a lot of winnable games on their schedule. Of course, they have the Bears twice. They have the Falcons. They have the Raiders, who may have downgraded at quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo going from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, who we're not even sure is cleared to play at, but either way. Raiders are a team that have been at the bottom of their division. They have the Saints, which are kind of a wild card. They got a team like the Rams, who really struggled last year. The Buccaneers, who no longer have Tom Brady. They got the Carolina Panthers with a rookie quarterback. And then we'll see about the Minnesota Vikings, Chicago Bears, and of course the Detroit Lions in their own division. So we'll see how Jordan Love can perform if he doesn't have a brutal schedule to start his career in Green Bay. Another major storyline, obviously, Matt LaFleur now without Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. What's his play calling going to be looking like? You know, like I said, I think somewhere in the, I mean, he's going to have Jordan Love probably doing a lot of what he wants his offense to look like. Not saying Aaron Rodgers is just getting play calls from Matt LaFleur and going, uh, no, I don't want to do that. And just checking out of everything that LaFleur sends him. But Aaron Rodgers, of course, had free reign over the offense in terms of, audibling to something that he likes and maybe it didn't work as well now we'll get to see what Matt LaFleur's offense I mean we saw we've seen a lot of it now I think we'll get to see it maybe even clearer with Jordan Love running it I think this like I said I I just looked at their schedule I think something around the range of 500 I don't if it's six wins or less I think that's a huge disappointment for the Green Bay Packers no question I think something along the lines 
of eight to nine wins is something reasonable for the Packers to expect. I don't think you should expect 10 wins this year. Usually you're able to expect at least 10 wins with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Got to temper those expectations now with Jordan Love. There's a new podcast actually on The Athletic. It's called The Play Callers. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm thinking about getting around to it, hopefully in this upcoming week, where it talks about some of these young, really smart, offensive-minded coaches, the likes of Sean McVay with the Rams, Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers, Matt LaFleur with the Packers, and then Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins, where it talks about their schemes and it gets into some specifics. I'm very excited to listen to that before this season starts to see then what kind of maybe if we can then see it on the field for the Green Bay Packers and how well it works and how good their strategy is in these young guys uh, and their offensive play calling. I'm very excited to listen to that. This up this hopefully in the next coming week, at least before the season starts, and we'll talk about it for Matt LaFleur and his play calling now that he no longer has Aaron Rodgers. Another one, this one is not as prominent and won't be as big of a deal because you'll have a guy like Jordan Love who sat behind a Hall of Famer and Aaron Rodgers. But Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator for the Packers, there is a ton of talent on this Green Bay Packers defense. I mean, everywhere you look, there's a first rounder, Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, last year's first rounder. You got Quay Walker, Rashawn Gary, Jair Alexander, Darn, I'm sorry, Eric Stokes as well. I mean, there is first rounder after first rounder. Lucas Van Ness, I almost forgot, and he's just right there as well. This defense needs to step up. They started to get into their groove near the end of last season. And I guess that's the reason Joe Barry was able to keep his job. I know a lot of Packers fans, including myself, were not happy that Joe Barry got to keep his job as the defensive coordinator for this team. But there's no excuses now for them to start slow like they did last year. It's just really frustrating to watch when he has a top three cornerback in Jair Alexander and it's third down and two and these guys are playing seven yards off the line. That's an easy first down pickup. It's just little things like that that you hope to see fixed for this team coming into this season. With the amount of... Now, they have one position that I think is going to be a big question mark, and that is the safety position. You got guys like Darnell Savage, who is returning, who had a bit of a... has been struggling since maybe year three. And then you got brought in a guy like Jonathan Owens, from the Houston Texans, you have a seventh-round pick in Anthony Johnson Jr., and then you have a f- unrestricted free agent kind of special teams guy in Rudy Ford. That's what your safety position is like. So that's maybe the one-week position, but otherwise you've got some major players all over this defense. That's something to watch is if the Packers can maybe rely on their defense to win a couple games where they're not necessarily asking Aaron Rodgers to bail them out every time because they don't have that anymore. Now it's a young Jordan Love at the helm of this team. And speaking of young, the last storyline is this is a really young team in Green Bay. And what does a rebuilding year look like for them? Like I said, I mean, the oldest guys on this team, you got David Bakhtiari at left tackle. I mean, Devondre Campbell at inside linebacker, Preston Smith. Those are the guys I mean, David Bakhtiari is almost 30, and those guys are probably near 30, but that's it for, like, the old guys. I say old. Old in football terms, I guess, for this team. Otherwise, this is a really young, young Green Bay Packers team. And I know Packers fans, myself included, I didn't really want to admit that this was a rebuilding year for Green Bay. You never want to – when you go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers as your quarterbacks, no year is a rebuilding year, right? So now the expectations are, well, we'll just do it again with Jordan Love. That's not necessarily the case. But this is definitely a rebuilding year for the Green Bay Packers in terms of contracts that they still have. They still have that Aaron Rodgers contract on their payroll for this season at least. And then you got young players all over the field that are going to be thrown into the fire kind of in seeing how they can adjust in their first year. I'm very excited for this season for the Green Bay Packers. It's going to be something completely different with now Aaron Rodgers at the helm. I'm excited to see Jordan Love get more than just one game and with a full offseason of practice, a full preseason as well where he knows he's the starter. This is going to be a very interesting season for the Green Bay Packers. 
and I can't wait for it. Let's go ahead now and talk about the Packers' number one rival, the Chicago Bears. They are in, what is it, year three now of Justin Fields at the helm. Year two now with new head coach Matt Eberflus. Let's take a look at their 2023 draft picks. The first round, they took the right tackle out of Tennessee, Darnell Wright. This, is, I think, is a pretty good pick for them. They needed a right tackle badly. They have a left tackle in Braxton Jones. They have a very good young guard in Tevin Jenkins as well. They needed to shore up that right tackle spot for Justin Fields. Remember, what the Bears did is they traded. They had the number one overall pick. They traded back to, I believe, nine with the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers took Bryce Young with the number one overall pick. They traded back to nine, and they got DJ Moore as a part of that trade as well. So now they've got they gave they basically for the number one overall pick so far gave Justin Fields Darnell Wright a right tackle, and then they gave him a new number one wide receiver in DJ Moore. That's a pretty good swap for the Chicago Bears, and they still get a first round pick next year, I believe, as well. In the second round then, they took a defensive tackle, Gervin Dexter, out of Florida. They took also Tyreek Stevenson, a cornerback, out of Miami. And then third round, they took Zach Pickens, another defensive tackle, out of South Carolina. And then fourth round, got some more offensive weapons. Roshan Johnson, the running back out of Texas, kind of the backup kind of the one-two punch with Bijan Robinson, who was a top 10. I think he was the sixth overall pick this year, but he was the one-two punch with Bijan Robinson at Texas, a very good wide or, uh, running back. And then they took a speedy wide receiver, maybe I think like 5'9", but incredibly fast, Tyler Scott, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati. And then they took Noah Sewell, inside linebacker out of Oregon, and then they have some more later round picks. Like I said, they, had, they made some additions this year. They had a lot of cap space, added guys like DJ Moore, added a nice linebacker duo in Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, also added a running back in Deontay Foreman from the Carolina Panthers. They also got Robert Tunyon from the Packers here at tight end. They did lose David Montgomery, but I think they just got younger at that running back spot. They got guys like Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert is still there as well, so I think they'll be fine at running back. The thing with the Bears now, though, is they may be thinking that this is their year to take over the division. I'm not necessarily sure it's that. Obviously, the big thing that you need to see is can Justin Fields take that third-year jump that we get out of a lot of quarterbacks, you know? Josh Allen is one of those guys that really comes to mind when it comes to that third-year jump in terms of taking the leap to almost basically a superstar. That was the year... Josh Allen went from being the, oh, he's he's strictly a running quarterback, very inaccurate, this and that, to, okay, this is a top 10 quarterback right now. This is a top flight quarterback in the league. Right now, Justin Fields was at that spot that Josh Allen is at. I mean, last year, he was absolutely dynamic running all over the field. You, he's breaking off 60-yard runs, 70-yard runs, 40-yard runs, left and right, having some accuracy issues, but now bringing in a guy like DJ Moore, is supposed to elevate him in the passing game then. This is the same thing that happened for, I'm not comparing Justin Fields to Josh Allen right now, but there's a lot of similarities in terms of what happens to help this guy, help these quarterbacks make that third-year jump. For the Bills, Josh Allen obviously getting his third year in the system, but then you bring in a guy like Stephon Diggs, a top 15 wide receiver at the time. Now Stephon Diggs is considered maybe a top five at least a top 10 wide receiver. DJ Moore, one of those guys, he was consi- he's consistently getting 1,000 yards, maybe not with the right quarterbacks in Carolina, comes over to Chicago, all of a sudden, boom, is he a top 10 quarterback? And is Justin Fields a top 10 quarterback as well? That's something that Chicago is going to have to see. That's, that's the major storyline heading into this season, is can Justin Fields take that third-year jump? If he does, The NFC North is that division now that Aaron Rodgers is gone and you would usually be able to pencil the Packers in for at least 10 wins. The NFC North is very much up for grabs, I believe, this season. There is no team that there's there's some teams that have on paper (laughs) a better looking roster than others. Chicago still concerns me with their defense. They don't have necessarily a lot of big names, just not necessarily the quality that you're hoping for, but they've got some players. Like I said, they brought in guys like Tremaine Edwards and TJ Edwards to be the linebacking duo. 
I like that linebacking duo. And then they had a couple of good players in the secondary, guys like Jalen Johnson, who I think is a number one cornerback, Eddie Jackson, who's a really good safety. And then we'll see about Jaquan Brisker. He had a decent rookie year last year, but we'll see what he can do with year two. But I think Bears, from what I've been reading, Bears fans, their expectations may be a little too high. I don't know if they're expecting a division win easily. Justin Fields to absolutely make that leap. You hope, if you're a Bears fan, that he does make that leap, that third-year jump that I've been talking about. But we'll see. Are the Bears still a rebuilding team? I mean, we're not sure about their offense. Like I said, they have a decent left tackle in Braxton Jones. They have a nice young guard in Tevin Jenkins, and now they drafted a rookie to be their starting right tackle. But there's still some question marks along that offensive line. And like I said, their defense hasn't been doing them any favors over the past couple of seasons. They have some tough games on their schedule, but they will be playing a last-place schedule, which will benefit them. They'll get teams like the Cleveland Browns, Arizona Cardinals. They'll get other teams like the Washington Commanders as well. So they'll have some benefits there. But like I said, I don't think they're just a foregone conclusion that this is going to be the division winner of the NFC North. We need to see it from Justin Fields, not just with his feet. We know what he can do with his feet. It's very impressive. I actually had him on my fantasy team last year when he started scoring those 35, 40-point games. It was great. But now we need to see it with his arm. We need to see it with his accuracy as well. If he makes that third-year jump, the, the Chicago Bears can absolutely be in contention to win the NFC North. We'll just have to wait and see, but it'll be, this, this is why I'm a big, I'm, I can't wait for football always. Weirdly enough, I usually get sick of football at the end of, probably at the, after the draft is when I'm just like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with football. Maybe in, maybe right after the Super Bowl as well, leading up to the combine, I might need a break as well from mid-February to mid-April. I could use a break. But when it comes to July, middle of July, now I'm just itching for it to get back, and I can't wait. And the NFC North is one of those reasons. This is going to be a very competitive division, I think. You've got some divisions, like the AFC West, in my opinion, is obviously going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I, we, we all try to keep knocking the Chiefs down every year. Last year, Patrick Mahomes' number one weapon was obviously Travis Kelsey, but then who's his number one wide receiver? Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster who is now a New England Patriot. I mean, Kadarius Toney, who came in middle of the season, those are his number one wide receivers. And, I mean, his running back was a seventh-round rookie, Isaiah Pacheco, and yet they still won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's the AFC West, to me, is like, obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs. The AFC South, to me, is obviously going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars, weirdly enough, this year. But then you've got some of these divisions that are just so up for grabs the NFC North is one. The AFC East is going to be so much fun. The AFC North, oh my goodness. The NFC North, like I said, is going to be a ton of fun to watch, and I just can't wait. Bears, if Justin Fields can take that third-year jump with DJ Moore as his new number one wide receiver, they are going to be a very interesting team come down to the end of the season. Let's talk about the team now that a lot of people are choosing as the favorites in the NFC North which is the Detroit Lions. We'll talk about their draft picks first here, and then we'll get into some of the storylines. They had two first-round draft picks, some interesting ones in my opinion. First round, they traded back, took the running back out of Alabama, Jameer Gibbs, and then they also took inside linebacker Jack Campbell out of Iowa. The reason that these are interesting to me is these aren't premium positions where they needed some help in the secondary still. They needed a corner. I think they were trying to get that guy, Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois. He was taking a pick before them, which is why they traded back. But still, there's there was other places that they could have shortened up this team instead of maybe reaching for a running back that a lot of people thought would have made it to the beginning of the second round or an inside linebacker that could have been taken early in the second round. But... When you like your guy, you go get your guy. So they took these two guys, running back, inside linebacker in the first round. Second round then, they took a tight end out of Iowa, Sam Laporta. There's been a lot of good stuff coming out about this guy. He's probably going to be their number one tight end, which is exciting. He is an Iowa tight end, kind of like in the likes of a George Kittle, a blocking tight end as well, but also a receiving threat. 
So some more help on offense for Jared Goff. Then they also did go and address the secondary with Brian Branch, the very versatile safety out of Alabama. This was a guy that I thought the Packers could take all the way up at pick 15. Falls to them into the second round. They do take a quarterback in the third round in Hendon Hooker. This guy had an absolutely outstanding season for the Tennessee Volunteers. Ended up with a horrific injury near the end of the season. Just a breakout season for this guy, kind of out of nowhere. Unfortunately, got injured near the end of the season. But he could be a guy that develops behind Jared Goff. And then they had some three later round picks as well. They made some additions. They got a guy like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the safety from the Philadelphia Eagles, who was leading the league at one point in interceptions. That should definitely help their secondary that has been struggling. They traded away a guy, that former third overall pick. Oh, man, I can't remember his name right now. I used to know it. But he came out of Ohio State. But they traded away a guy like that who was having injury problems. So they needed some help in the secondary. So C.J. Gardner-Johnson could be a big help there. David Montgomery, the running back from the Bears, they brought in as well because they traded away DeAndre Swift to the Philadelphia Eagles. So that'll be very interesting to see this new running back duo of Jameer Gibbs and a DeAndre Swift. They also lost Jamal Williams. He led the league in touchdowns last year. And then they also lose kind of two wide receivers, one to free agency and DJ Chark. But then they also lose their young second-year player now, Jamison Williams, He's been suspended for six games for betting while in the Detroit Lions facility, which is against the rules. NFL players are allowed to bet on other sports, NBA, horse racing, baseball, whatever they hockey, whatever they like, as long as it's not football, but you cannot do it on NFL grounds, like NFL facilities. So if they're at if if they're traveling, like say the Lions are in Green Bay and they're at the team hotel. They can't place a bet at the team hotel. Can't do it when they're at their practice facility in Detroit or probably in the parking lot when they're on the Wi-Fi. So they don't have Jamison Williams for the six, first six games either. But the Lions finished really strong last year. Remember, they knocked the Packers out of the playoffs in the last game of the season. Finished 8-9. and nine. Been improving ever since with Dan Campbell. Now I believe it's their third year. So are the Lions finally ready to be the favorites in the NFC North? And how can they avoid a letdown that, I'm sure, if you ask Lions fans, and believe me, I know a bunch of them, it's just year after year, it's something that lets them down after the surprise success that they had last season. Can they be the favorites and how can they avoid the letdown? Those are the major storylines for the Lions heading into this upcoming season. Jared Goff is going to be their quarterback of the future, it looks like. I mean, that, that deal just seems to look better and better for the Detroit Lions with the Los Angeles Rams for the Matthew Stafford trade. Obviously, the Rams are very happy with it. They got their Super Bowl out of it. But ever since then, now the Lions are getting their first-round picks, top 10 picks, also their second-round picks, which are top 35, top 40 picks. But the Lions, on paper, again, and coming off of last year as well, the just the success and, and the momentum that they can build from it. I mean, you look they have one of the top five offensive lines in football. Now they just need the, which means, and with Jared Goff and, and guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, Marvin Jones, and you got guys now like Jameer Gibbs on offense, they can put up points. We saw that they were able to put up points with the best of them. The problem now lies on the defense and if they're able to stop <laughs> opposing teams. You got a guy like Aiden Hutchinson who looks like a, an emerging star at defensive end. Now you got, and then you got other young guys as well, James Houston on the other defensive end that you're hoping can build off of his success from last year. But then, like I said, that secondary is going to be the biggest question for the Detroit Lions, and hopefully that doesn't let them down too much. Because, like I said, they for, off of last season and what we're looking at in regression from maybe usually to the top teams in the NFC North in the Green Bay Packers in the Minnesota Vikings, which we'll get to in a second. You, as a Lions fan, you just are hoping to avoid a letdown, whether it's in an injury that comes up or just, you know, something that just happens to the Lions. It seems to happen season after season. So we will see what becomes of the 2023 Detroit Lions. There's a lot of optimism, and there should be. Dan Campbell 
is a fantastic coach. He is so much fun to watch too. If you watched Hard Knocks from a year ago, the energy that he brings and the passion that he brings for his team as well. A lot of those close losses, you think that they're going to start winning soon as well, which I really think will be a part of the big turnaround in Detroit. And if they can get back to the playoffs for the first time since, oh boy, when was that with Matt Stafford? Was that back in, was that all the way back in 2015, maybe 2016? It was the last time they made the playoffs, so at least six, seven years, maybe more since the last time they've made the playoffs, but we'll see for the Detroit Lions. There's a lot of optimism. Hopefully, they can live up to it there in Detroit. All right, and then lastly, for the NFC North Division Overview and kind of uh, overlook or look ahead to the 2023 NFL season, we take a look at the Minnesota Vikings. Let's take a look at their draft picks first, and then we'll talk about some of the guys that they lost. But in the first round, they took Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of USC. This is a very good route running. He'll pair well, I think, with Justin Jefferson. And the reason that they went with a guy like Jordan Addison, you're like, don't they have three good wide receivers? They lost a guy in Adam Thielen. He goes to the Carolina Panthers. They weren't going to be able to bring him back. This is the thing with the Vikings this year is they had to cut a lot of salary with all of the veterans and older players that were just aging on big deals. They had to get rid of a lot of these guys and just all of this money they kept pushing out into the future. They had to cut guys like Adam Thielen. They had to cut another guy like Dalvin Cook as well, which we'll talk about in a second. Eric Kendricks, the linebacker, middle linebacker that they've had to rely on. So they, in the first round, they take a guy like Jordan Addison now to pair with Justin Jefferson, also throw in K.J. Osborne in there. Third round, they take Makai Blackman, a corner also out of USC. Fourth round, they take a safety, Jay Ward out of LSU. They did not have a second-round pick, so they had Jordan Addison in the first, then we go to the third and fourth, and they needed to address that secondary. Now, they didn't do it in the first round, which is something that could be a question mark, and we'll see. I mean, they love to go wide receiver in the first round there in Minnesota. But the secondary, like I said, is something that they needed to address. They try in the third and fourth rounds here. And then they go Jacqueline Roy, defensive tackle out of LSU in the fifth round. Jaron Hall, a quarterback out of BYU in the fifth round as well. And then they go with a running back in the seventh round because they lost Delvin Cook. Like I said, some big losses. Delvin Cook, Adam Thielen on offense. Patrick Peterson, maybe their best corner on defense. And like I said, their middle linebacker, Eric Kendricks, as well is gone they have a couple additions marcus davenport the defensive end from the new orleans saints byron murphy jr the corner i believe he came from the cardinals and then they also another big thing in addition i would call it is the minnesota vikings hired brian flores as their new defensive coordinator who we've seen some of the defenses that he's run both with the i believe the new england patriots and then he also was the head coach of the miami dolphins for a while there he has some usually top-flight defenses, but looking at the, the, the this team is due <laughs> is due for regression because of the amount of close wins they had last season. I believe if we look back, they had 11 wins in one-score games. I believe they were 11 and 0. Let me take a look here. I mean, they lost. So they were last year. They were what 13 and they were 14 and three. Lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, that was by double digits. Got schlacked by the Dallas Cowboys, that was by a lot of double digits. Lost to the Lions by double digits, and then they got schlacked by the Packers by double digits. So they were 11-0 in one-score games last year. 11-0, that's unprecedented success in one-score games. And then they lose to the New York Giants in the wildcard round where they were supposedly the favorites to win that game in the wild card against the Giants. They had the home field advantage and everything. But 11-0 in one-score games, you're due for regression, especially when you don't make a ton of improvement on the defensive side of the ball, which I don't know, maybe they even regressed in that area too with some of those losses that I was just talking about. Their secondary has been a question mark for years. They've tried throwing first-round picks at the cornerback spot, it hasn't worked either for them. They're going to be one of those teams that struggles, I think, on the defensive side as well. I think they'll still be able to put up points with Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. Now you've got a guy like Alexander Madison, who, when thrown into the starting running back role, has succeeded. So we'll see what he does 
with a full season of that. You got guys like TJ Hawkinson, like I said, Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne, offensive weapons. We'll see how the offensive line holds up. That's still been a little bit of a question mark. But like I said, when you're 11-0 and in one-score games, which I believe is an NFL record that they set last year, that's unprecedented, unprecedented success that is very unlikely to be replicated in the next season. So I think this is a team that at 13-4 and last season, very good year, I think you could see them below 10 wins, to be honest, with the lack of improvement that I've seen on the defensive side and there's just the normal regression that you'll see with so many close wins that they had last season. Like even if you go, I don't know, let's say it's normal to be around 500, that's five more losses. All of a sudden now they're an eight and seven team. I'm sorry, they're a nine and eight team. Jeez, where did I get my math there? That's four, whatever, four losses. Goodness, my math is all over the place right now. That's still less than 10 win team right there. And like I said, the NFC North, I think a lot of these teams are going to be around that 7, 8, 9. Someone's going to, I think, get to 10 wins, but I don't think anybody's going to get to more than 11 wins. 11 wins will win this division, and I don't think that the Minnesota Vikings are going to get to that. So that is the major storyline heading in for them. Is regression imminent after the amount of close wins and not much improvement that I've seen on the defense? You lose big-time playmakers on the offense as well. In a guy like Delvin Cook, who is a 1,200-yard running back every year when he's healthy, usually around 10 to 12 touchdowns as well. That's a big-time playmaker that you lose. You lose a guy like Adam Thielen at one point was leading the NFL. That was like three years ago now. But that's a steady, reliable receiver that Kirk Cousins could go to. He's gone now, replaced with a rookie. That's the major storyline heading in for the Minnesota Vikings is how much regression should they expect coming off of the unprecedented success that they had last season in those close games. Kirk Cousins is in the final year of his deal this year. That's going to be something that's talked about a lot after the season. Do they move on from him? Does Kevin O'Connell want to go a different route at quarterback? That's another thing to keep an eye on. And then the other contract situation that has to be monitored as well is the Justin Jefferson one. Probably the number one wide receiver in the NFL right now. Still on his rookie deal. You're seeing a bunch of guys get these big contracts now. Justin Jefferson is definitely next in line. How much is that going to cost them? It's something that they're going to have to get done. You do not let a guy like Justin Jefferson walk away in free agency, especially for nothing. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And this is why I'm so excited about the NFC North. I'm glad we started this one today. This is going to be a very tight, very highly contested division. I honest, I honestly do think that any one of these four teams could win the division, and that could be with a nine and eight record. I think you have. I don't think you're going to be able to get eight and nine and win this division. I think nine and eight. I think ten and seven will win this division. That could be the Detroit Lions. That could be the Minnesota Vikings regressing three games. Maybe the the regression that I'm expecting is not as <laughs> severe as. I think is coming. Maybe it's three games that they they regress back to 10 and 7 or something like that. I think that the Green Bay Packers have a path to 10 wins and I do if Justin Fields makes that third year jump with DJ Moore as his wide receiver one, I do see a possible Chicago Bears at 10 and 7 as well. That's what makes this NFC North division so exciting. So that is right there your NFC North overview. Thoughts heading in, overlook, no predictions yet. We'll get to predictions right before the, the season begins, and I'll tell you who I think does win this division. But like I said, I could see any one of these four teams winning the NFC North division, which is very, very exciting. I can't wait for football to start. All right, final thought then here on this episode of the final, final podcast. We have a lot of big-name free agents remaining that have not signed with a team. Like I said, training camp starts next week for a lot of these teams, maybe in a week and a half for some other ones. But we got guys like Dalvin Cook, who I mentioned was released by the Minnesota Vikings. He has not signed with a team. Zeke Elliott, who was released by the Cowboys. That was a big deal. He has not signed with a team. Leonard Fournette is another one. You got guys like DeAndre Hopkins, who was released by the Cardinals. He's waiting He's got offers, I believe, right now from the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots, but he's actually waiting to see maybe if he can sign with 
a more likely contender, maybe the Kansas City Chiefs or something like that. A couple quarterbacks, Carson Wentz has not been signed. Matt Ryan, he might be on the verge of retiring, but he's still technically a free agent. Guys like T.Y. Hilton, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Jadavion Clowney, Marcus Peters, a cornerback. So there's some still some pretty big names, contributors that could help some teams out. Probably won't happen until we get later into training camp. Maybe if an injury happens or something like that. I tell you what, though, it's interesting with these running backs, how they're not getting signed. Like I said, Dalvin Cook, still under 30. I think he's around 27 or 28. And a a thousand-yard rusher easily every season when he's healthy. He's had a couple of injury concerns. Zeke Elliott has been on the decline a little bit. I mean, that's why the, the Dallas Cowboys have decided to go with Tony Pollard in replacement of him, Leonard Fournette. Call him playoff Lenny. Always shows up when it comes playoff time for sure. But a lot of these big-name running backs, Cream Hunt used to be a big contributor to teams, especially to the Browns as well, and when he was younger with the Kansas City Chiefs. But these big-name running backs, even most notably Delvin Cook here, aren't getting signed. you got guys like Aaron Jones took a little bit of a pay cut. You've got Joe Mixon, who actually just took a little bit of a pay cut. Saquon Barkley isn't signing his restrictive free agent tender the, the franchise tag he won't sign that he wants a long-term deal with the new york giants same with josh jacobs with the las vegas raiders he doesn't want to sign the franchise tag these running backs are so easily replaced with younger guys that these teams can find they're like well we'll take some guy in the seventh round we saw that this year with the kansas city chiefs take isaiah pacheco in the seventh round and he was their leading rusher on a super bowl winning team these running backs are just getting absolutely phased out in terms of getting these new contracts, getting replaced year after year with younger guys. Derrick Henry is a name that people are worried. Is this his last productive year or something like that? I'll tell you what. A guy like B. John Robinson, who was the sixth overall pick this year for the Atlanta Falcons in the 2023 NFL Draft, there's just been talks of he's going to be used at running back, wide receiver, slot wide receiver, He's going to be used all over the field for the Atlanta Falcons. He's just going to be put to absolute work for this offense. And it's just it's just going to wear him down so quickly. If if I'm a running back in these days, I have to there's got to be a way. They got to try to find a way to get a contract after their rookie season. I mean, you had Zeke Elliott who had around 1500 rushing yards his rookie year. You have the Saquon Barkley, who led the league in all-purpose yards, either his rookie or his second year. You know, if Bijan Robinson has 1,300 rushing yards, another 800 receiving yards, and has at 15 total touchdowns, these running backs gotta figure out a way to get their second contract after their rookie year or after their second year, because they're just not getting them. As soon as they turn 25, because teams are like, well, I'll just go draft the next one coming out of college kind of deal. It is just brutal out there for NFL running backs. Bijan Robinson, I think, is going to be put, he's just going to get so many touches this year. They're going to wear him down because he's 21 or 22, and he can take that beating right now. But he's just, then all of a sudden when he's 25, 26, and it's time for his second contract to come out, they can just franchise tag him for two years. Now he's 28. Now they don't have to pay him at all and he never gets off of that rookie deal. That's what you're seeing right now with Dalvin Cook. Zeke Elliott was cut after his second deal. His contract was too expensive. Leonard Fournette. I mean, Saquon Barkley is fighting hard to get his second deal right now. Same with Josh Jacobs. Man, it is just brutal out there for NFL running backs right now. But those are some of the big-name free agents that remain, like Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I think we'll hear the DeAndre Hopkins signing sooner rather than later. And then, all right, the final, final thought on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. There is a new Netflix show coming out called Quarterback. If you haven't heard of it, it just released, I think, this past Wednesday, maybe Thursday. But this show follows Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, all of last season, both on and off the field. It's it's like a very in-depth look at both the players and the families I believe one of the things that they teased was when Patrick Mahomes had that high ankle sprain in the playoff game this past season. Was that against the Jaguars, possibly? But like that's that that's something that they go into even more in depth in. So that's I'm kind of excited to watch this. Once I get my 
Netflix figured out. I don't know if you guys have been having this problem too, but Netflix finally has gotten on top of the password sharing. So now I, as a grown adult, can no longer use my mom's Netflix. Thanks, mom. But I'm going to have to probably get my own now because we don't live in the same state. <sighs> Struggles of now being an adult, you have to get your own Netflix. But either way, I'm excited to see what this show kind of, I mean, it's, it might not have some of the most exciting quarterbacks like Marcus Mariota, who also I don't believe is on a team right now. And if he is, he's now a backup, but he was the starter for the Falcons last year. Kirk Cousins is nothing flashy, but I mean, they had a 13-4 and four season. They had, like I said, I was mentioning just earlier, they had 11 wins in one-score games, and then they lost a pretty disappointing playoff game. So that'll be interesting to watch. And then, of course, you've got Patrick Mahomes, the Super Bowl-winning quarterback in this show as well. So I think that will be really fun to watch their playoff journey. But I'm interested to see the Kirk Cousins side for sure. I'm not... I'm. The, mark, the only thing I'm interested in about Marcus Mariota is if it shows his perspective knowing that he's a quarterback, either a bridge quarterback or that he's a quarterback on the bubble of losing his job week in and week out. And then you'll get the superstar quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. So there's a couple of things that I've got to get out there. Listen, i got to listen to that podcast that I was telling you about as well. If you haven't, it's called The Play Callers on The Athletic. And I'll, we'll discuss what Sean McVay Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur talk about, and then we got to watch this quarterback show on Netflix before the season begins. A lot of stuff, a lot of exciting stuff that we'll still be able to talk about on this show. But that is all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Remember, like I said, very shortly within the next day or two, we will have an NBA basketball episode to follow very shortly here. We'll recap the season, the postseason, the NBA champion Denver Nuggets, Spoiler alert if you don't remember that. But we'll talk about that. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the draft that just happened as well, free agency, where some of these big names are going to get signed. We had some big trades already this offseason as well, so we'll discuss all that in the coming days shortly for the next podcast episode. And then when we do the next one after that, we'll get back to the NFL. We will continue with the division approach. I'm thinking right now maybe I do AFC North, or AFC West, I'm interested in either one of those divisions, but we'll take a dive in and see how they did this offseason and what to look forward to in the upcoming season. But that's all I have for you. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe out there. And as always, you are listening to The Final Final.